Welcome back to Porcelain Peak, the strange and scary podcast that covers everything from horror to sci-fi and all of the graphic stuff in between. I am one of your hosts, Anthony. And I'm John. And we are joined by a special guest today, Anthony. <laughs> Hi, I'm Anthony. Don't get confused. Yes, that's not a joke. There are two of us. Should we call me Tony? Tone. Tin. 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 So from here on out, um, I guess I'll just go by tone for this episode at least <laughs> until we figure out uh, a better, better a better nomenclature option. Right. So this week we are going to be talking about the Netflix anthology series Love, Death, and Robots, as they say on the Twilight Zone. <laughs> <laughs> but first, let's hop into some news. One of the biggest things that happened this week was Apple had their big uh, keynote event and talking about their TV Plus application that's coming out later. Uh, Not a lot of that pertains to us, but there are two specific projects that do pertain to something along the lines of sci-fi. So Steven Spielberg is actually going to be producing and directing a lot of stories for an anthology series based on an old magazine that used to exist in like the 30s and 40s on uh, called Amazing Stories. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did hear about this, yeah. Yeah, so it's different anthology series, so it's going to be a different theme every episode. Uh, Definitely sounds interesting. I love Steven Spielberg. Uh, but the other project is a uh, Jason Momoa-led project. It looks like a sci-fi drama called Scene. Basically, the entire concept is it's a post-apocalyptic world. Over time, people lose the ability to see. And so it's the differences between like what a sighted world would require, but how things change based on a world where sight's not a required sense anymore. So I, I think... Um, I, I personally was really excited about Bird Box 2, so it's cool to, to hear that uh, Jason Momoa is going to be <laughs> um, helming that project. One other thing that we can mention with what we just saw was the trailer for the next horror Into the Dark movie from Hulu. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. That one comes out April 1st, and it was called I'm Just Fucking With You. <laughs> Obviously with asterisks, but it... Looked interesting. Looked it kind of reminded me of like a less stylized Bad Times at the El Royale kind of looking thing. It's free. Why not watch it? You know, it's like if Vacancy and El Royale had a baby, <laughs> it would be this movie. <laughs> Another thing, uh, they released a large group of posters for Avengers Endgame, and so they're posters that. Uh, are full color for the people who are still alive and black and white for the people who are who are now dead after the snap. Um, so spoilers, uh, if you have not seen Infinity War, go do that immediately. It's on Netflix. What are you doing listening to a podcast? You're wasting an hour of your time when you could have already seen an, uh, Infinity War. You deserve a black and white poster. <laughs> you should have been dusted. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so there are some characters that people thought survived the snap that didn't. The biggest one being Shuri. Shuri did not survive the snap. I did read that the Russos did, and I was curious about this before I read it, but they did come out saying that they're doing a similar marketing tactic to what they did with Infinity War, which is there is definitely footage in 
at least this most recent trailer that is not stuff that's actually in the movie they're they're similarly doing things with cg and cutting in scenes that are supposed to mislead you a little bit as to what the plot or the narrative of the movie is going to be which for me i'm very similar to john in terms of not watching much for these movies that i already know you know i'm probably going to be seeing multiple times they're going to get my money um (laughs) so i don't really need to be seeing all the stuff that's coming out we i guess now's as good a time as any to announce what we're going to be doing for april yeah so we're going to do i guess what we're calling avengers april and we are going to for three weeks watch the other marvel movies besides endgame it's not the other marvel movies because we're not watching hulk we're not watching any of the X. Sorry, the movies. MCU with the MCU Marvel Studios movies. We're going to watch every single one, except for Captain Marvel. We just talked about it like a nanosecond ago. Uh, but so we're going to break it down uh, phase by phase, and we're going to go in chronological story order, which is an order that I've never watched it in before. Uh, we're going to break everything down, and uh, we'll go through it uh, in a quick and concise manner. So we'll discuss these at. At an appropriate length, and then uh, when Endgame comes out, we will break that down as well. Yeah, I think there will probably be a couple movies, maybe like an Iron Man 2, where I'll be doing my taxes while I'm watching it. Like that. <laughs> but, um, That's how you make it exciting. Yeah. Am Don't I going to get, yeah. get a refund or not? For the movie here. <laughs> <laughs> Is no, that going to no, be it for news? No, you owe Marvel money. <laughs> Yeah, I think that wraps it up for news. Uh, so we should move on to trivia. Trivia. Here's how we play. I ask a question. If you get it right, Steve lives. Come on, it'll be fun. It's an easy category. Movie trivia. Give you a warm-up question. All right, we're going to mix it up this week. And I'm just going to read, and John and New Anthony are going to answer. First category is going to be Monster in Jaws from 1975. What is the name of the ship that sunk during World War II and of which Quint is a survivor? I'm going to take a wild guess and say it's the Indianapolis. That's right. Point for Anthony. Well, shit. I'm on a roll. (laughs) Heating up. All right, next one's going to be gore slash disturbing. In Hostel Part 2 from 2007, which character survives the film? Beth, Whitney, Lorna, or Paxton? I'm going to say Whitney. That is incorrect. Ah, All right, I'll go with Paxton. It is Beth. (laughs) All right, next category is going to be psychological. I didn't know this. This is actually pretty cool. Unused footage from what Stanley Kubrick film was used in the theatrical cut of Blade Runner from 1982. 2001 A Space Odyssey? It is not 2001 ah. A Space Odyssey. Lolita. It's not Lolita. It's The Shining. Here we go, paranormal. Annabelle Creation from 2017 was which of the following in relation to Annabelle from 2014? A prequel, a sequel, or a standalone film? That would be a prequel. It is a prequel. Oh, yeah, it is. So, what are we at? 1-1? One, one? Yep, that's 1-1. One, one. All right. We got a <clears> game <throat> here. This is going to be from the killer category. What film in the Halloween series was the first to not involve John Carpenter? The sixth one? That is incorrect. I'm going to I'm gonna go out on a limb, and I'm going to say Season of the Witch. 
That is also incorrect. Uh, it was Halloween 4. So I was I was close, and by Price is Right rules, I win. But no. that doesn't count for anything. There's See, no I really should have gone with my entrails on that one because <laughs> I was super thinking 4. Right, yeah, I think he produced Season of the Witch because he, he wanted to do the anthology thing. Yeah. Anyway, moving on to International. In The Host from 2006, the titular creature... <laughs> Nab's which Park family member? Hyun Siu, Nam Ju, or Nam Il? Is it Hun Su? It is Hun Su. Yeah. Wow. Buzzer Peter. And I mean, I think it was just how accurately he pronounced all of those names that <laughs> just stuck it for you. All right, that's going to be it for trivia and news. If you liked that, then go ahead and hit that subscribe button. And if you didn't like it, hit that subscribe button anyway. And now we're going to move on to the uh, meat and potatoes of this episode, which is love, death, and robots. So I think the best approach would just be go top down. Yeah, let's look at it. Let's talk about them all. We can go ahead and start with episode one, Sunny's Edge. Right, so as an introduction to the series... I was on board. Practically a cold open. I mean, and it is it is gruesome. Very violent. Very graphic. Like I said, it, it starts everything off with a bang. Uh, and the concept was super interesting. I really enjoyed what they were able to do with it. The animation style was really cool. And it kind of has a twist ending that I really appreciated. Before we get any further, though, I just want to say spoilers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Definite spoilers. Right. We got to just start every episode with that. <laughs> <clears throat> Anyway, I didn't know what to expect from the show at all. Mm-hmm. And the first one you get has um, love, death, and robots right in it. So that's yeah. pretty cool. The monster thing was rad. I didn't know where it was going at the beginning when that guy comes and is like, you want to fight? There were definitely some characters in there that were a little one note, but I felt like it ends in a good place. Also, as a friend of the friend of the podcast, uh, Kyle would say, uh, "Tutties." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's like I said, it starts everything off with with full tilt. You see a lot of one way or the other, you know, either very sexual or very violent. Sometimes uh, both. Yeah, sometimes both at the same time. Right, and I don't know if it's because I'm not used to seeing naked animation. But I was like, wait, they they can do that. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's when uh that's when you immediately ran down to your nearest uh, superstore and bought a VR headset, right? He's <laughs> yes. like, yeah. oh yeah, pop it. Because on. that's definitely not what I was thinking while I was watching it. Um, <laughs> no, I yeah, I definitely uh, very similarly went in having absolutely no idea what to expect, knowing the basic concept. I was also behind on on actually watching it. So when I went in, I yeah, I loved the idea. The it, it kind of gave me like a really badass rock'em sock'em robots vibe right. reminded me of it. i was getting a lot of different things like i was thinking of a uh, strange thing to ever flash back to but the coliseum uh fight in star wars episode two mm, yeah, 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 yeah yeah especially with some of the monster design i thought was really really fun definitely very brutal like you said it kind of gave you everything that was in that title uh, of the show in that first episode to kind of say hey here's a little taste of everything before they start to branch out a little bit more in subsequent episodes. I think I was a little bit nervous that it, that I was like, Oh shoot, this show is like, like somebody's going to walk in and I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, it's on a, it's on a 60 inch screen in my room. And what if my family walks in and I have to tell them it's, I'm I'm studying for the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I was just cleaning it and it went off. (laughs) 
Oh shit. Uh and the twist ending, I I didn't see it coming. They like destroy her body and then like, well, I guess you weren't that good, Will Hunting or whatever. And then she's like, Oh, but I'm still here. Get fucked, and then just destroys them because she's actually in the beast body, which was a super cool twist, and I like I said I enjoyed it and I enjoyed seeing them getting skewered to bits because they were a bunch of fuck boys. I don't know if it's frustrating, but what I, I guess wanted more from the series in general is that some of these snippets I wanted more of. And so yeah. getting a, a small glimpse of, I think, like 20 minutes tops, I was like, oh, man, I could watch a full movie of this or something like that. You know what I mean? Or a series of this idea. And that was the first one I really felt like that because I was like, well, what did how where are these monsters coming from and how are they controlling them and what is this whole idea yeah and you learn you you get trained with that pretty quick and it's and i think it's good that the way that the series ends up going on that particular note where you don't get a ton of world building is a really interesting challenge but at the same time you know it for some episodes i wanted them to end because i wasn't terribly interested but other episodes i agree i wanted more of what that that world was all about and that first episode really tells you hey you're not going to get that from every episode there were definitely, and we'll talk about those episodes, these episodes in a bit, but just there were some episodes it ended and I thought, can the next episode just be the well, same thing? Yeah. Yeah. Can it just, can we just keep going with this? But, you know, it's kind of the name of the game with these experimental anthology things. Uh, yeah, there's another episode that's further down. We'll talk about it probably here within the next couple uh, that has a moment where it basically gets to the climax and cuts to black. And in a situation where you're only getting 10 to 15 minutes of story, it can be a little frustrating. That episode was still cool, but I would have liked to have at least gotten the climax rather than it just cutting to black. We'll kind of wrap things up on Sunny's Edge. Like I said, I liked the twist. I thought it was a great way to start off the series. I would have liked to have seen more about that world because it was very gritty and very Blade Runner-esque for me. The way that it was very like neon and a lot of like crazy things going on. I really enjoyed that one. All right, so moving on to episode two, which is titled Three Robots. Uh, this one was a sharp departure uh, from the first episode where, like I said, it is it is everything in the title. This one was much more just about robots. <laughs> uh, and cats. Yeah, and cats. <laughs> These robots are fucking hysterical. Uh, they just are constantly cracking one-liners at each other. I I thought that they were very funny. They were very well-timed. It was very well-voice acted. Uh, the animation style was interesting. Uh, everything is super... Nothing like feels the same bet- from episode to episode, which I enjoy as somebody who can sometimes have a little bit of viewing ADD when it comes to things. I, I enjoyed this episode. Like I said, I liked the, I liked the, the more humorous element. And it kind of sets the stage for a different type of episode that exists in this series where it's not all just doom and gloom and about beating the shit out of each other. Sometimes it's just about three robots on a road trip. Right, yeah. So this one is three robots going through a post-apocalyptic landscape talking about all the weird shit that humans did. And the way that they talk about it was hilarious. And then at some point they get a cat. Not not by any, like, volition of their own. Just the cat just shows up and is there. <laughs> I think some people would be initially maybe turned off if they really liked the first episode to go into this episode and have it be such a completely different tone. I thought it was really necessary, especially if the rest of the series was going to have that mix of humor and grim tone, because the first episode is definitely very, very grim. <clears throat> and when it got to the end, 
with all the gore and the twists and everything. There was a little bit of a pit in my stomach thing like, wow, this is a pretty dark show. And then to jump right into that episode and have the writing be so clever and witty, um, which is a complaint that I had about some of the episodes that I didn't feel like the writing was as tight. And for this episode to have such tight writing that actually had me busting up in multiple points, I felt like it was probably one of my favorite episodes that I've seen of this first season. I think it's one of the shorter ones too. And it just packs so much into this one episode just with how well it's written and, and, and how it's a very, very simple concept. And I was getting some definite Captain Marvel vibes with the cat. Because it, it just seems to be a thing recently, you know, with with all this new stuff coming out. It's just all about cats yeah. um, and cats with secret motivations. Yeah. It was a nice palate cleanser, you know, moving from, like I said, that dark, gritty story before it to something that had, is a little more lighthearted and more about comedy and enjoyment. Like I said, I definitely liked having that, that gap and, like I said, also setting a precedent for the deep variety you can get from the story moving forward too. I mean, as far as the comedy ones go, I would say that I think that that one was my favorite one. There's another one that I enjoyed more. (laughs) I know you weren't quite as big a fan of it, but we'll discuss that one a little more at length when, when it gets its uh, place in the sun. So moving on, we have the next one up on the list, which is the witness. Now of the dramatic ones, This one is one of my favorites. Absolute favorite. It, it blew my mind. Animation the, was dope. Yeah, super cool. This is also one of the most sexually graphic episodes as well. Because there's like a like a full blown like strip tease. That's not a tease, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely not. Oh man. You get to see everything there is to be shown. But yeah, like I said, the the kickoff for this one, just like having it like she witnesses basically her own murder. I don't think that she sees that it's her who gets shot, but the fact that she witnesses the murder, he sees that she saw it, and then you have this chase ensue. Like I said, the way that it's animated, the way that it's paced, it's just so tense. Like I said, I loved everything about this one. It was a super original concept, uh, and I feel like this is one of the ones where the short runtime shines. It's not something where it overstays its welcome. It's not something where you need more to the plot. You're given exactly the information you need to know, and it ends at the perfect place. Right. I think any more would have overly complicated it. Exactly. Well, yeah, and it just feels like they took a chase scene from what could have potentially been a more expansive sci-fi film or even short film, because you know this was even shorter than you know what a typical short film would be, and and it, they just took the really visceral chase aspect and that made it super suspenseful even though you have absolutely no idea what's going on the entire time it's, it's still nail-biting and the, yeah the animation is gorgeous vibrant uh i was staring at a lot of the time just ignoring what was actually going on on screen and staring at the way that things were drawn in the background and the way the world was designed and reading signs on stores as she's running by and they're running through the streets yeah it, it gave me definite definite vibes of i was thinking kind of into the Spider-Verse, mm-hmm. because they do yeah. the, the, the comic, comic dots. books, like t- dots and sound effects um, when they're bouncing off of things and hitting things. They have all the little sound effects that are popping up, which I love. And then also the Walking Dead Telltale games, mm, how those yeah. characters are drawn with the thicker black outlines and the kind of cel-shaded sort of vibe, I thought was something really, really unique. Didn't feel like it was ripping anything off. Visually, I was just stunned by that one, <clears> and I felt that the actual story... And the, and the twist at the end, I thought I knew what was going to happen. I was like, oh, Groundhog Day. And then it's sort of that, but, but not just quite. Over, yeah. There's just a little bit at the end that twists it just a little bit. And then, boom, 
that's all you get. And that's and all was, you need. Yeah. And it was perfect. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's also really nice to get, you know, your perspective on this, considering you are a graphic artist by trade. So it's like you have a little bit more insight than, you know, than your typical layman viewers. Just the way that everything felt. So like I said, visceral, the way yeah. that the movement, the characters moved, things felt like they were incredibly fast paced and scary, very weighty and very weighty. And, um, yeah, just the way the characters moved, I felt like some episodes in this season did that so much better than other episodes. And I really tended to gravitate toward the episodes where the characters had a really unique sense of movement or action as opposed to the episodes. While there were some good ones, some of the episodes I think later on that are a bit more grounded in a maybe performance capture type of um, animation. Sometimes, at least for me, forget how many different types of animation styles there are out there. When it really pushes the envelope for these studios, watching, watching this show... I was really enjoying that aspect and really looking to see who those animation studios were that were popping up in the credits at the end, instead of skipping through that part to get to the next episode, as much as I was trying to binge as many as I could before coming <laughs> in here. Um, you know, I wanted to start writing some of them, them down from some of my favorite of uh, the episodes that were animated um, because yeah, you were right. Every single one has something, even if they are similar, there's just some, something different stylistically in each one that keeps you, invested at least visually so number four i feel like was the first departure for me i felt like uh the episode is titled suits it is a very interesting concept um based the one that's like on the farm i felt like the like alien bug design was pretty cool and i felt like the whole like them banding together was a really cool concept but the animation was cool on yeah this the one. animation was also very cool it kind of reminded me of iron giant that, that was the vibe I was getting, too, and I couldn't put my finger on it until you just said it. But yeah, Iron Giant. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, the story was fairly generic for the completely wholly original concepts we've gotten with the previous three episodes. I feel like this one was a little too on the nose for something like this. And there are a couple of episodes that are very similar. This it, It's not bad by any means. I enjoyed it. I was there for the ride. But I felt like I was m way more invested with the first three episodes. So basically, it's people on a farm, and we don't know what the threat is at first, but they get into like these mech suits that are pretty massive, and then aliens swarm them. And it's just kind of the story of that, and them trying to bunker down and survive on this farmland while these aliens or creatures or whatever are attacking. I guess at the end, you find out that the people are the aliens. It's got that Twilight Zone twist on it. Yeah. Yeah, see, to me, the, the twist at the end was not enough to save the episode for me. The twist at the end felt like it was tacked on to be a twist. Right. I mean, I, li I liked the idea. Maybe if it had been applied in a more interesting context. Wasn't I really earned. It more. Yeah, we discussed yeah, this at length about uh, us on the last episode. Uh, when, a, when a twist is really, really like the groundwork is laid and it's earned properly, it's definitely something that you can be like, oh yeah, this like this was mind blowing for the right reasons, right? Uh, but in a situation like this, they didn't do anything to earn that twist, and it doesn't really affect the narrative at all. No. Like some of the twists in, in previous episodes, like especially in that first episode mm. um, in Sunny's Edge, that twist is part of the narrative, and it's what affects your enjoyment of the episode. And to me, it just felt like some of the crappier maybe Shyamalan twists where it's just a twist to be a twist as opposed to a twist that really affect you know sixth sense level affects the narrative of the story it was just something to kind of put at the end to go this makes it one percent more interesting but yeah for the <laughs> most part I felt like the episode was very 
generic in terms of story. There was even some writing where I think one character at one point says, whatever you're going to do, you better do it fast. And it did try to pack a bit of an emotional punch that obviously is going to be hard with this format because we don't get a ton of development or give a shit really about anybody. And so I was like, that's fine. That's sad, but let's get to the next one. (laughs) Yeah. I liked this one though. It wasn't a deterrent. It was just, it was the first, it was the first downbeat for me. Whereas everything had been up, up, up. I felt like this was the first one that was like, okay, so not everything on this is going to be like a complete perfect banger. I feel like if this story had been applied to one of the episodes that has a more straightforward CG, like I said, like a, maybe a motion capture feel, it would have been really, probably in my opinion, kind of a garbage episode. But because it did have a pretty interesting animation style, I was able to forgive the rest because at the end of the day, I really only spent a few minutes with it. And it's something that in that style as a longer format probably would work really well. It's a challenge and and it's also a hindrance sometimes with the really, really short episode run times that some of them really hit the nail on the head with that as a challenge. And other times they, I feel like it's kind of a miss. Yeah. Giving us an opportunity to actually live in the world a little bit, you know, having it even be just like a 30 or a 40 minute thing doesn't have to necessarily be a, a feature length film, but giving you more time to develop the characters and actually get that emotional connection when you do lose a character, I think not having that in this in this particular case was, like you said, a hindrance rather than it being something that was impactful. And I think, to me anyway, it seemed like, hey, what if A Quiet Place was a video game and this was a cutscene from that video game? <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. There are a lot of these segments that do end up kind of having that cutscene from a video game kind of feel. I think that's the biggest criticism that the series is getting as a whole. All right, do we want to go to five? Yeah, so five, Sucker of Souls. So this is the uh, one I was talking about previously, about where it gets you to the climax and then cuts to black. Um, I feel like it worked, though. Yeah, but I wanted, to, I wanted to see the payoff. I wanted it so bad, especially seeing... I think you know. I, you know what's going to happen, but I, want, <laughs> I wanted to see it. I wanted to <laughs> see them... did. I wanted to see them get fucked up, because I get to... I No one's... Up to this point, no one's pulled away from the violence. You see everything. You see everybody getting their shit pushed in, and I wish I would have gotten to see it for this one, too. So this one is about Dracula, uh, an explorer trying to figure out who's in this cave, and it turns out it's Dracula. But he's not like a typical vampire. He's more of a creature. More akin to something from like 30 Days of Night rather than it being like humanoid. Something that I can commend them on is that they... Unlike maybe a Game of Thrones, they seem to be keeping the uh, the dick to titty ratio uh, like pretty, pretty even, even yeah. yeah, even keel throughout the show. Show um, for everybody, yeah, yeah. exactly. It's all inclusive, <laughs> and it was pretty graphic for the most part, and a little bit funny. The first kill that you see was pretty gruesome, yeah, and I definitely enjoyed that. Just the way that like they split his head open, and like you just see them like throw the skull fragment. They did. They did this two times, I believe during the episode, I believe that was one of them where the the guy gets his head split in half and then they do the peeling of the skin, the muscle, all the way down to the skull. And then they do it again later, I believe, with Dracula when they mm-hmm. set off the C4. And then his head or his body does a similar thing, which for whatever reason, I always just love that. They do it in an episode of Rick and Morty and I remember I just loved where it's just like layer by layer peeling off the anatomy gruesome but it's really interesting and then Um, you get like the full-blown kill bill style blood spray yeah it's like those books 
when you were a kid that was like the anatomy books and it had like the plastic film over it. Here's your muscles. Here's your skin. Here's your bones. Obviously not in that order. In terms of the animation, I was definitely getting, for whatever reason, what I was thinking when I was watching it was web comics, almost like flash animation. Um, and then I was also really thinking of, um, and, and you'll know about this, but uh, the Adventure Zone, some of the animated stuff you see people do on YouTube and things for the Adventure Zone podcast. Yeah. It had a very similar vibe. So that's what interested, interested me initially. Um, the Dracula thing, you know, having it be Dracula, I didn't feel like it was necessary. But as a horror fan who loves Dracula, I thought, well, you know, that's cool. It's the coolest thing they've done with Dracula in a hot minute. Exactly. Yeah, it felt, <laughs> it felt somewhat original. And um, I would just say the the one thing that I was not actually a huge fan of in the episode for an episode that I actually uh, enjoyed quite a bit was the writing. I felt like a lot of the writing was super stilted and it felt like an episode where they were saying, OK, well, this is going to be an adult animated show. So we're just going to squeeze in. And I'm. You know, I'm definitely not trying to be a prude, but it just felt like a lot of the dialogue was, oh, they found a cat. Now they're going to make a pussy joke. Yeah. yeah it, you know, or yeah. And so it just felt at times where I was like, okay, guys, this is not doing anything to move anything along. It's just because you know you can say the F word, the C word, you know, and all that. But other than that, I thought the music was great. The animation was great. I actually loved the cut to black at the end. That actually I felt was a lot scarier than seeing them being torn apart. Uh, torn apart was getting the cut and then just kind of hearing the the blood and the screams and stuff I thought was actually scarier. I agree with him. I still wanted to see it, but I feel like like it wasn't like the worst ending for sure. You're wrong, um, John. You're in the minority. It was an enjoyable enjoyable episode, better than was what was the last Dracula movie, Dracula Untold or some stupid bullshit. He turned into bats. Yeah. No. <laughs> That garbage, bats. that garbage can literally go fuck itself. Yeah, I feel like you're committing a sin bringing that up on a horror podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, this one is a very short but sweet, and it was one of my favorite episodes, When the Yogurt Took Over. It was funny, but I mean, I didn't particularly love it. I just, I, I loved it. I loved, it was so poignant and so funny, and I love the way they say yogurt. Yogurt, I fucking love I it. I was thinking the exact same <laughs> thing. It's that weird, like, British way of saying yogurt. Yogurt, yeah, um, that was sticking in my head, and felt like something that you would see in a hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy show or movie or something yeah that little segment see i enjoyed it i mean i felt like it easily could have been removed from the season and would have not changed the overall vibe but it was like a, a very very short nice little palate cleanser and they mm -hmm. seemed to be doing that um every maybe not every episode. other episode but every couple episodes they'd have the really dark sad episodes and then they would have the little funny palate cleanser before you go into the next episode. And I, and I liked that. It was just a, a, a quick little clip that you almost would see as like a, a yogurt ad before your YouTube video. Yeah. <laughs> so this one is about somehow humanity creates sentient yogurt and they take over. It starts with Ohio. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it, it, it requests Ohio in order to fix all of the problems with the country. And then uh, the government doesn't listen and then shit hits the fan and then the yogurt just takes over, and then they go for like, like several decades without any crime, without any issues, without any downturn in the in the economy, no no poverty, no hunger, nothing. And then the yogurt just picks up and leaves in yogurt shaped spaceships. That was my favorite part. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, that was amazing. And another instance here of a completely different off the wall animation style mm -hmm. that you're totally not expecting as you're going through. 
because you just have you go from this hand-drawn crazy kind of low budget looking animation style in the dracula episode to this being almost like a wallace and gromit-esque kind of uh, almost like a claymation looking style yeah um where all the characters look like they were you know, I don't know if they were even partially, but they look like they were handmade a lot of the time. And just they were very goofy, which for something that is entirely just a goofy concept really fit that. I think what I didn't like is like the over narration. I think maybe they were going for or I'm just making this entirely up. But like I said, it felt almost like a YouTube ad for mm-hmm. yogurt that, that that would be an, a yogurt commercial with a voiceover that would tell you, you know, Activia, <laughs> I was take about, over the world. I was about to say the same thing, but yeah, it's a very short episode. Like I said, if you like the comedy breaks in between, this is going to be a good one for you for sure. Moving on to the next episode, this is a longer one. Uh, Beyond the Aquila Rift, loved this one. This one uh, had an interesting premise, so it kind of reminded me of Mass Effect a little bit. This group get onto their ship, get into stasis lock, and then start their autopilot, and it takes them too far, and they end up in this weird, like, almost feels kind of like limbo territory. But they don't really know that. They know that they've overshot their their stay. Their uh, ship ends up being boarded by somebody that the captain recognizes, uh, and they apparently have had some kind of a previous relationship. This is definitely the top two or three most sexually graphic episodes. I mean, this one just shows them having sex. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, and and for an episode where I was marveling from the very beginning at the animation, it felt very, very real. So when you mm. get to those graphic scenes like that, it's like, oh, wow. I was even, it's weird, but I was just paying attention to the way that they animated people's fingers like on on skin during the the sex scene whereas yeah like, that's something that's really tough to get is is somebody putting pressure on somebody's skin or something and again just like you know phasing out of whatever's actually happening and just marveling at the animation there were parts of that episode where i was just completely blown away definitely another situation where you don't want want somebody walking in on you and having to scream it's it's homework for the podcast yeah like <laughs> like yeah this literal porn is 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 homework for the podcast Slowly, it's revealed that what's happening might not be actually what's happening. And one of his crewmates wakes up and is like, hey, you don't see what that really is? When the female starts uh, revealing what's going on, the captain, the male character is like, hey, uh, tell me. like, I want to know what's really happening here. And she tells him, no, he doesn't, but he begs her. And so she finally reveals it. And he sh- it shows him wake up in the pod and he's old and sunk in and looks gnarly they show the landscape and it's kind of like space meets hell yeah i was thinking of a event horizon because i was thinking that same hell mixed with an alien world it shows what we thought was a human and it turns out to be this scorpion spider creepy yeah yeah amalgamation yeah terrifying yeah it was a straight nightmare fuel uh dwayne johnson's the scorpion (laughs) hey this was better animated than that okay (laughs) that's not saying much (laughs) this is true when she comes out and you kind of get the silhouette and it's like oh okay just a person and then you see like the legs and it slowly transforms into this nasty reveal yeah very chilling fuck out this was another one of my favorite episodes of the season again because i thought the animation was gorgeous i thought the writing was good it really did what it needed to do in that short amount of time and some of the reveals 
that the reveal when he wakes up from that pod, I was legitimately pretty freaked out. Just the way that they animated, the way that he looked so emaciated mm. was pretty terrifying. And that hellish alien world and him looking around at the pods and seeing his other crewmates, you know, and the way that they're all, they're dead and sunken in. And then that amazing reveal of the, of the Scorpion King really was almost as terrifying as seeing the Scorpion King years ago. And um, <laughs> Late, yeah. looking back on it, definitely. Yeah, right? definitely. Um, and then just the kind of little extra twist at the end mm. of kind of putting him back into the, the simulation and kind of having the whole thing repeat itself, I felt was very chilling. This episode to me felt very Black Mirror. And that vibe kind of runs through a lot of this show. But Even the intro, right? It's it very like, Black bow, Mirror. Bow, bow, bow. The noises. I was like, and is the, that? Yeah. Yeah, you can tell that they took some inspiration, which I mean, if you're going to take inspiration from anything, you know, modern, anthology, modern, yeah. modern anthology. Yeah, yeah. take it from, from modern Twilight Zone. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. For now. But yeah, for me, the episode had a lot of, uh, reminded me a lot of Shutter Island, how they convinced him to kind of slip out of like his delusion. And then he chooses to slip back in afterward. And you don't know for sure if that was a decision in order to basically try to protect himself or if that was just him saying oh yeah i'm i give up but i guess i got that type of a vibe from the ending from this one and it yeah. was like, or like very um uh, is it cypher from the matrix yeah when he makes the deal to go back into the matrix that's what i was thinking too is he's he's kind of putting himself back into the pod just eating the steak just exactly. yeah. right which is ignorance is bliss. so fucking good i just remembered when you were talking about it that Someone actually did walk in on me watching this episode. <laughs> I knew it would happen to one of us. There couldn't have been three of us watching this show and have it not happen. Was it, it Kyle or Dom? Kyle, he walked in and was like, what the fuck are you watching? And I was like, dude, just sit down. Just watch it. He ended up really liking the episode. And he went and he went back and then like rewatched like almost the whole series, right? Just, I don't know. Just specific scenes. <laughs> oh, this was good. Fast forward to this one. <laughs> Eight is good hunting, not goodwill hunting, but good hunting. Uh, this one was very interesting. This uh, one is the, the uh, like the fox magician people. The 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 one set in um, China. All yeah. oh, right, okay. So then that is about a father and son. They're hunting this witch slash cat. I, I guess? think I think fox, a fox is a fox, probably closer. Yeah, yeah. And then they kill the mom, and then the friend the son becomes friends with the daughter. And they grow up, and then China modernizes into this weird English steampunk landscape. She gets she loses, sexually assault, assaulted pretty roughly. And the more that society moves towards modernization, the further she is separated from her power set. The concept of this, like I said, is very poignant, especially in today's society. I felt like it was very well done. The animation style was another wholly original-looking animation style as compared to everything else previously offered definitely had more of that like hand-drawn kind of feel to it i had kind of been waiting for an episode like this to come along because i felt like there had been tiny little hints toward that influence of kind of the chinese or or japanese or anime um style yeah the animation was gorgeous overall i enjoyed the episode i think i got distracted for maybe a solid 30 seconds with something else and when i came back the style had changed so much from when they're hunting the witch fox spirit to the whole steampunk thing that i was a bit confused that i had maybe fallen into the next episode by accident but then i started to kind of pick up what they were going for so there were those those heavy themes of industrialism versus nature and and kind of her literally losing her her natural powers her 
nature spirit powers as as the world come becomes more industrial and then they're also trying to really tackle that idea of what a woman loses when she's taken advantage of in that mm-hmm. way and in this case she literally loses her entire body which i i definitely felt like they did well without maybe hammering it too hard over your head o- overall i would say that it kind of had a little bit much going on in terms of trying to tackle a lot, whether it wanted to be an environmental story or whether it wanted to be a female empowerment story, which are both really awesome topics to tackle. But I did feel like there was kind of a disconnect almost third of the way or halfway through the episode. But I I gotta say there was a lot of amazing looking visuals. Mm -hmm. The steampunk aesthetic was awesome. The way that she looked very ghost in the shell, the way that the gorgeous animation in the beginning with the, the forest and the spirits, all of that. I really, really enjoyed. I liked the beginning until it starts modernizing and goes toward the steampunk thing. That for me is where I kind of started trailing off because I liked the idea of getting this like folklore story yeah. versus what we ended up getting. Yeah, it felt like they were trying to check a box for it to fit into this show. They, they were like, oh, well, we need to have robots or something you know we need something <laughs> yeah. for it to meet this. And I'm like, well, you know, there is love in the title. You could just have it be a love story between a, a a kid in a forest spirit or something. And there are some weird episodes in this that really don't fit into the, the title very well that still works. So, I mean, they could have really stuck with that original idea and taken it all the way through. But. Yeah, I agree with that. I would have liked to see just that. I didn't, I didn't really like the steampunk stuff. It didn't really do much for me. There's a different way that I took the concept once it breaks into the steampunk kind of territory you know, there's the issue with like basically her being assaulted on a regular basis right. and then having her body taken from her. I still carried over the nature themes into that. The fact that this industrial revolution and this building of all of these, you know, steampunk buildings and ships and all this crazy stuff was basically the land being, you know, raped and taken. And I felt like that theme still carries through all the way to the end. When you have people who are trying to reverse that and trying to protect the land. Well, yeah, it's definitely like the movie Mother, where they're using a physical person being assaulted, whether it's physically or sexually, to represent Mother Nature or Earth. And, and that literal, like you're saying, the, the raping of nature of the planet. <clears throat> um, I can have to see where they were going with that. It just felt like a lot of the complaints that people would have for Mother, I think, also applied here, where they mm. were very, very lofty themes almost competing with each other. But I mean, I wouldn't say that it was a complete wash of an episode, and I'd say even just for the animation style um, alone, it's definitely worth worth watching. All right, so next up on the list, this one I believe will be a contentious one. The Dump. Loved it. I was we, not this was This one. was my least favorite episode yeah. of the series. It's just kind of like, here you go, that's it. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with that delivery, but I don't know if it's just because the main character was not very likable to me. Uh, it's just an old man telling another guy to get off his yard. <laughs> get out of my yard, you punk kid. Yeah, I mean, okay, maybe because I knew this is the episode that you were talking about that was going to put me in the minority. That's why I said <laughs> loved it. I wouldn't say that it was anywhere near one of my top favorite episodes of the season. But I enjoyed it because, I, to me, even though there is a giant garbage monster, it was a really pretty lighthearted episode. And it was pretty simple, which coming off of the last episode, which I felt had a little bit too much going on, to me it was another episode that kind of comes in and gives you a breath of fresh air. And it's very simple and very much is just, here it is. 
there you go. Here's a palate cleanser. I know? liked the animation style. I didn't know where it was going to be going. And I felt like without it being a, a big like, oh, what a twist. I felt like the little things coming back at the end where he had called for the dog and said that the what you think is his dog. And he says, oh, he's always out, you know, scrounging for food. He's talking about the big garbage monster. And then when... He needs the the cigarette lighter in the beginning and the other guy has a cigarette lighter and then when the guy gets chomped, then he gets a cigarette lighter and he does, you know, and it really felt like I liked the main character. He almost gave me a uh, crotchety uh, what's-his-face from Up. Like, I half expected him to just, like, build balloons on his house and float away while the guy was trying <laughs> to get the dump from him. Yeah. None of the episodes of this show are terrible. This one was, like I said, it was just my least favorite of the bunch. There were still enjoyable moments of it. I could have done without um, having basically a Jeff Denham puppet uh, hang a dong. I could have done without that. <laughs> um, yeah. That felt like one of those things like you were saying where they could do it, so they just did it. Yeah. Like with the pussy joke in the Dracula episode. Like, yeah. hey, we could show Dick. Let's show this guy's ball sack. Well, because there are definitely episodes, and I think the one that I'm thinking of is coming up either right after or a couple episodes after this. But there there are moments where you expect them to do the nudity or the language and they don't. They choose not to and they choose to be a bit more tasteful for it. And you don't necessarily have to do that in every single episode. I understand if you have the freedom to do that. And again, not sound like a prude. I have absolutely no problem with it. If like in the episode, the witness episode, there's a reason why she's running through town nude because it's, it's, it's what she does, you know, to make money and she's so preoccupied with her escape and everything i assume if we're being chased by a murderer would probably not be thinking too much about the fact that our robe's hanging off yeah in this it's just like okay well we get it the guy was taking a leak but how much did that really have to be a part of of the story just so that we could see his weirdly animated dong flapping around (laughs) um didn't bother me too much but yeah i can i can say you know while we're on the subject (laughs) that it wasn't quite necessary all right pass the dong what's next I'm pretty sure there's more dong in this one, too, if I remember correctly. Shapeshifters. Oh, dude, I thought this one was rad. I actually really enjoyed this one. And at first I was like, what is this giving me vibes of? And it's giving it was giving me memories of the, I don't know if it was a sci-fi movie called Dog Soldiers. But this concept has literally been done as a movie that I have seen. Dog Soldiers my, is a movie, yeah. Yeah, and it's and isn't it about werewolves? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Soldiers and werewolves? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So I, I, okay, I thought maybe I was... I don't know, like on like peyote or something. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but what I really liked, I mean, story, you know, whatever, that's fine. I think the point of this one was, at least for me anyway, was those transformations, which I thought were rad. Because when they're transforming, they're, they're werewolves or, or the people are like ripping their skin off yeah. to reveal very, the wolf. Um, very Van Helsing, the Hugh Jackman movie. A better example being in Trick or Treat in the werewolf segment when all of the werewolves start tearing their skin off in the woods like just like they're taking a t-shirt off but right. it's, there's their skin and the werewolf is underneath i've always thought that was the way cooler way to do a werewolf transformation because it's so gross and slimy yeah and it just looks really cool especially when they slowed it down for the main character werewolf when he's taking a slower time to transform and you're really seeing him kind of fighting and trying to tear off his skin to really turn into the his full form i thought that whole entire fight was really really spectacular and really awesome to see and i'm just a sucker for werewolves so when i realized that's what the episode was going to be i was really down for it it made me want like a really good werewolf yeah we so we've been asking for a dope ass werewolf story for like six months on this show (laughs) um yeah you didn't like benicio del toro and the wolfman 
But yeah, I loved the animation style. The action sequences were absolutely outstanding. Like I said, I love the way that just like they pulled flesh off of each other. It was just it was so gruesome and awesome, and I I really dug that. The story is just a vehicle to get you there, and that's fine for something that is so heavily action and animation driven. Before I realized it was a werewolf-centered episode, I was kind of making up my own episode in my head of what I thought it was going to be. And I was thinking, oh, you know, we send dogs into combat or into the police force. Well, what if we somehow figured out how to genetically engineer a dog person? (laughs) Turned out to be a lot less complicated than what I was thinking of. But once it got to, well, when he first goes and he's trying to find his friend in the base that's been attacked and you get to see the really messed up gore, people with eyes missing, faces messed up, all of that looked pretty realistic. And then when you get a little bit later on, to the werewolf fight and they're biting chunks out of each other and then that awesome final kill that he does where he just basically swallows the other werewolf's head and crushes it yeah i thought that was fantastic i feel like what they don't get right at least for me is eyebrows i feel like they can animate everything else super well like you get nose movement you get mouth movement you know you get the jaw moving but hardly ever do you get that eyebrows like animating and to me that's what pulls me out of the animation just to give you a, pe- a peek behind the veil, uh, Anthony is animating his eyebrows currently right now, just lifting them. But that them happens. Around. Like, I, you know, when you talk to somebody, they're not just like, hey. Well, that's why when you're in a situation where somebody in a movie, say, um, Rooney Mara's character in Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, or if you see anything with, like, Zachary Quinto when he shaved his eyebrows to play Spock, you know, he had to wear a pair of thick glasses when he was outside of shooting the movie, because it's so weird to people to see somebody who has their eyebrows missing because your eyebrows do so much expression that you don't even realize your eyebrows are constantly moving in all kinds of crazy ways. And for the longest time, I felt that way about lips, but I do feel like the way that mouths move a lot of the time now, and especially in some of these episodes, it's, you really can't tell that it's animated, but I was looking at a lot of eyebrows during the show because they're still one of those things that they're getting so much closer but they still feel a bit static. They yeah. don't feel as expressive. You know, you got to get the the mouth, the eyes, and the eyebrows really, really right to make a face work. Um, and I feel like, for the most part, we've got it down. But there's just a couple things that that still need some work. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's what stood out for me negatively, I guess, about this episode, and a lot of the ones that were more realistic. All right. So next on the list is Helping Hand, aka Short Gravity. <laughs> right, but it worked. I thought uh-huh. really well. I love. I, I I actually seriously loved this one. I thought yeah. it was really really good. So basically, you have a solo mission out from a space station to go work on a satellite, uh, working on the satellite, and then something gets jettisoned off of a nearby like space vessel because of the way that it's moving in orbit. It ends up severing basically her entire life support package on her back, breaking into her oxygen supply, cutting her cord from what she's connected to. And kind of jettisoning her, jettisoning her off in the wrong direction. And once you're out in space, you're running out of oxygen. You don't have a lot of options. Is it trying to get back? You have to come up with something to get yourself back towards the territory so you can get in where you need to be. I think she starts off with a wrench, something she has in her hand. She like rotates herself and then throws it in the opposite direction to try to get the momentum to go to the right direction and ends up overshooting it. In that process, ends up losing more oxygen and ends up depleting her resources further. So from there, she uh, decides to take a strap, uh, strap her arm down, remove her glove, 
and basically tear her entire limb off in order to get herself pointed back in the right direction. And it is harrowing as fuck. Like, it is very visceral. The act of her removing her arm was gruesome as shit. Like, uh, 127 hours levels of gruesome. Like I said, it was just very tense. For being 10 minutes long, it feels like an hour. Shaking your legs, you know, biting your nails, just trying to see if this is going to end up in a positive light or not. Spoiler alert, it does. I'd have been fine either way. Yeah, if it if it ended up with her not surviving, you know, like, it should have gone in gravity. Well, and I was half expecting <laughs> it to, when it does cut to black, because it does do that cut to black, when she's making her final attempt after tearing her arm off to get back to where she needs to be, it cuts right before she actually gets to the point where you know what happened. And I thought, okay, that's the end of the episode. Because they had done that to mm. us with previous episodes where they just cut to black. And it was nice after, to, to see that part at the end, but it, I didn't necessarily need it. Um, I think it was really just there to tie in the title of the episode, which is like, need a hand or whatever. You know, it's yeah. like, yeah, the helping hand thing. And then I was like, ah, you guys said it. You got me. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> well, yeah, cheesy. Yeah. I, I thought it was, like you said, incredibly intense. Felt like it was a much longer episode than it really was. That kind of thing scares the shit out of me, the idea of drifting out in space like that. What I thought they were going to do originally uh, was there's this story that I read years ago called Kaleidoscope. It's by Ray Bradbury, and he it's in his Illustrated Man short stories. And it's, um, it's about astronauts drifting through space, talking to each other as they're drifting off basically to die. And I thought that's what it was going to be at first is us watching an entire episode of this lady just drifting off into space and kind of seeing her last moments which is pretty harrowing. So when she jumped into action, at first I was like, oh no, is this going to turn into like Matt Damon with the fire extinguisher or whatever, you know, flying <laughs> through space like Iron Man? And no, I felt like they did a really good job with keeping it, I mean, maybe Neil deGrasse Tyson in a tweet would disagree with me, but it felt like they tried to keep it somewhat grounded, excuse the pun, you know, so when she tore her arm off like that, and the fact that it wasn't just the cheesy thing you see in a lot of space movies where they the arm showed. freezes and then it shatters into a million pieces like it's jason in jason x like shattering somebody's <laughs> frozen head um i i really loved that you you see she she's in a ton of pain and it takes what seems like forever for her to make it happen and really just tears that thing off just tearing through muscles and tendons and yeah breaking the me bone. grabbing my wrist and pretending to do it right now is making me a little bit queasy so <laughs> yeah it just it sticks with you when you when you shut the episode off, this was one of the ones where I was like, okay, I need to take a fifteen minute break. And like I was like, I'm having like like minor heart palpitations. Like I want to go like hug my wife and be and be like, yay, I'm alive. Like, Make sure she has both of her arms. Yeah, like you still have everything. Good. <laughs> okay, we're good. Uh, so next up is another shorter episode, Fish Night. I liked the look of this one. It reminded me of a Scanner Darkly a lot with the animation style where I think, I think with that movie, they shot it and then animated over. It was a uh, rotoscoping, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Is that what that is? Where yeah. Animate over like live yeah, action. Yeah. Like how they did, um, the lightsabers in the original star Wars, like yeah. rotoscoping where you draw over the actual image of what's actually there. Yeah. That's what I thought happened. So that's cool. Visually it was interesting, but as far as like the story and everything goes, I think this one was more just to show the animation for it. Yeah. It felt like somebody's, senior art piece or something the story didn't do anything for me i thought that the acting was really good the younger character his voice it was bugging me for probably a couple minutes straight that i knew who it was and couldn't put my finger on it finally i just googled it because i have a 
machine in my pocket that does that. And uh, <laughs> it's uh, Yuri uh, Lowenthal who did the voice of Spider-Man in the new PS4 game. Yeah. So as soon as I realized that, that upped my enjoyment as a Spider-Man fan, knowing that he was voice acting in it. And then, yeah, once it gets to the, the fish ghosts, it's gorgeous. It doesn't make any sense. Then the fact that in the end he does get eaten by a shark when we've already established that the ghosts can just pass right through through you and not harm you so by the end i felt like i hadn't really gotten an ending i think one of the weaker ones as far as story goes but definitely packed a punch visually moving on to the next episode because like i said there's not much to talk about with uh fish night and i feel like this one is a bigger one uh lucky 13 i loved the concept of it being a ship nobody wants to fly and that they end up giving to a rookie and then that rookie ends up turning it into a success story. Having that concept, like I said, it worked so well because they play the story out in a in a way that makes sense and is paced well for it being one of the longer stories on the list. Uh, the animation style is another one of those ones where it almost kind of feels like it's getting close to that territory of live action. There were definitely moments where I could not be 100% sure that it wasn't live action. It was one of the episodes that did the realistic animation the best. Story-wise, I was a little bit bored, but this episode did not focus so heavily on maybe a hyper-masculine sensibility or like a hyper-masculine character, and I felt like some of the episodes maybe were a little bit too woman taking it, being taken advantage of, damsel in distress situations where for something that is so heavily influenced by maybe video games and video game cutscenes, the show could end up getting a bad rap for doing too much of that. So this episode, I was really happy that there was a very strong female protagonist that does, she is the rookie that comes in and really just turns this mess up of a ship's story into a success story. And I really liked the idea of the ship kind of has a personality. It has a life. Is it becoming its own own character. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that I enjoyed the most is the relationship between her and the ship. Her, like, doing, like, little things uh, in order to, like, coax her through the through the missions and everything. I, I just, I felt like it was very well put together. And I really enjoyed the episode, like, especially for the animation. And the ending, I felt, was really poignant, too. I was pretty middling on this one. I didn't love it, didn't hate it. It was fine. So, next up on the list is another one of the shorter ones. This one is called Zima Blue. The whole concept is basically about this famous artist who goes you know, throughout time and uh, basically puts his staple on the art world. And it's basically this very, very particular shade of blue. Over time, that art kind of evolves into it basically just being these huge installations in space of this giant color blue. The concept of the way that it kind of flows together is very interesting. And the reasoning why this particular color is so enticing to this artist is kind of fleshed out. You go through the entire story thinking that this person is a human, but they're actually a um, a robot that was built in order to clean a pool, a pool of that very particular shade of blue. Oh, man, this already sounds awesome. You know, it's, and, it's yeah, it's so good. And is slowly but surely tinkered with and given new abilities and new processing capabilities to the point where it becomes practically sentient and ends up becoming a humanoid looking figure. And that humanoid figure ends up living for a very, very, very long time. The ending, I felt like, was very, very poignant. Over After hundreds of years of searching, finally figures out where the source of Zima Blue comes from and creates this huge space installation. It's a swimming pool, 
and slowly starts shedding off all the modifications until it's just him in the swimming pool as his original form as the pool cleaner. It's just a lighter episode with a really good story, and I don't think we get that from the lighter ones. They're more of just like, hey, this is funny, like you guys are saying, a palate cleanse. But this one, although light, lighter-hearted, still packs, packs an emotional, punch. Yeah, so yeah. packs an emotional punch. The next one after this one is Blind Spot. A gang of cyborg thieves stage a high-speed heist in uh, a heavily armored convoy. Yeah, it's basically Mad Max meets Fast and the Furious. <laughs> but they're meets- all like weird like robots driving like like weird yeah. robot cars and it the has go south. Yeah. The heist goes south and then it, they try to make this like poignant ending and then they walk it back. They walk it completely back. So during the process, they lose one by one. They lose all of their party. Then they get to the end. It ends up going well. They end up he, the, the rookie of the group ends up completing the mission, but then he's like, like freaking out like what do i do now my whole crew is gone and then holograms of them pop up and they're like oh they've got our they've got our 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 memories back at at back at base on a data bank so they'll just remake us and it's like well now you've just stepped on the point of your story like kind of like if a franchise snapped away half their characters and then a week later announced that there was a sequel with one of those dead characters talking (laughs) about a thing that i have absolutely no idea what you're talking about (laughs) It's a short and easy skip. Also, I feel like this is probably one of the weaker animated ones, too. Yeah, this one did next to nothing for me. Uh, So the next one is going to be uh, probably the most interesting concept out of them all. And it's the only one that the majority of the story is not animated. So the concept is they move into a new place and they open this old freezer that's left behind. They open the freezer they uh, go to grab some ice cubes and they go to put ice in glass of wine and they pick up the ice cube and it turns out that that ice cube had a woolly mammoth in it. And then so they go back to the freezer and they open it up and there's an entire civilization in there. Tiny, very like scaled down to like probably like a hundredth of the size of an actual human. Right. And this civilization is moving at a rapid rate. Like they are... Going through like different sections of time, the Industrial Revolution, the Renaissance, so all these pl- different they're sections. Playing, they're playing Civ, basically. Kind of, yeah. yeah. And then so they they keep like going and coming back and leaving. At one point in time, uh, the civilization drops a nuke, basically in Topher Grace's face, and he gets like full blown like radiation burns on his face and everything. They end up closing it for the night. And they're like, they're like, oh, they're not there. They they just they all killed themselves basically with this nuke. And then they get back up. And then I think Mary Elizabeth Winnesett goes to check it in the morning. And they're still there. And they've completely like moved further than that stage in evolution. Now they've got like futuristic like flying cars and all this crazy stuff. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, there's this huge light that flashes. And they learn how to do, like, hyperspace travel and are gone. Topher Grace gets upset that they don't have this cool thing anymore. And he unplugs the freezer. They leave it alone. They come back and they open it back up just to use it as per normal. And it's back to the dinosaur age. And so there's all these, like, little tiny dinosaurs running around and stuff inside of their freezer. And that's the end. It's 
probably in the top half for me, but it's not anywhere near like the top episode for me. I I enjoyed it thoroughly. Mary Elizabeth Winnicid will always be hold a little little special place in my heart because she's Ramona. It's a very good episode and it's very worth watching. Next one on the list, probably in my top five, probably in Anthony's bottom five, alternate histories. So the concept of this episode is that it's basically like a service that will show you alternate timelines in history. And they show you an example of that by showing six different ways that Hitler dies before he gets into power in Germany. And it's fucking hysterical. And it's an it's a palate cleanser that's very well deserved, especially before the final episode, which is very dark. The animation style feels super like those old Playmobil toys. Yeah, that are just cylinders, oh, but then yeah. they have legs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, the animation style is very, very weird and very different. Not very well animated, I would say, as compared. I mean, um, it fits with the idea of the story, though. Yeah, but it's very. Like I said it takes something that could be very dark and it's very makes it very lighthearted. Um, one of the ways that Hitler dies is that he is fucked to death by a weird, like, Norwegian but also alien race of women. <laughs> that part was funny because they're on this bed and they're all doing it and, like, they're all rubbing on him and he's in the middle and then slowly their legs spread out and it makes a swastika with all their bodies. <laughs> and then you just see his whole body go pale white and he dies from ejaculating. It was six stories about Hitler dying. I like the idea of alternate histories, and I was like, okay, cool, I'm on board for this. And so I thought it was going to be like, here's how Hitler died. Now here's an alternate history for this. Now here's an alternate history for this. I wanted to see more alternate histories than just Hitler dying six times. Well, it almost sounds like it would be a premise for web show or something called Alternate Histories, where you would have the episode that was about alternate ways Hitler could have died, alternate ways this thing could have happened, right? Yeah. Um, and you only get one of them here. If it became maybe there was a second season of the show and they did another alternate histories where it was, you know, six news stories or something like that, that would have been cool. Because, I, you know, I mean, I haven't seen the episode, so I can't speak much to it. But when I was looking through some of the short descriptions of the episodes, I saw that one. And to me, it it sounded like maybe one I wouldn't enjoy as much only because I feel like how often have you had that conversation with somebody who was like, you know, you guys are in high school or somebody's really stoned. They're like, dude, but, what if you could go back and kill Hitler? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's a tried and true uh, sci-fi theme. If you look back at, um, there was an episode that we discussed on the show from the Twilight Zone where somebody goes back to try to stop uh, the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. Oh, yeah. I listened to that episode that you guys mm -hmm. did. Yeah. Right. And they kind of hint at that idea. In this episode, yeah, because the next alternate history is Abe shot first, <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty funny. Yeah, like I said, the punchlines in this one are great. That's what I loved about it, and uh, it like I said, it was just very funny, and I felt like it was a perfect palate cleanse before the final episode. That episode is the Secret War. This one is a lot to take. I feel like it's one of the longer episodes, and it feels longer. Essentially, there are these what seem like to be like, you know, some form of Eastern European forces that are all, I think they're on horseback, running from something that's basically trying to kill them. There are different forces that are being pushed in different directions. There are a couple of really poignant moments they find in like some wreckage. They find a some form of an, an acoustic instrument. When they settle in for the night, one of them starts playing the instrument the conversation they have about it basically is just like, you should stop playing that. We're not celebrating anything. And he, and basically he, they're like, they're like, Oh, it was my idea to, to play the instrument. 
and we just want to be able to feel like we're alive again. And like the concepts of this episode are, are very deep and very dark. And basically everybody involved ends up pretty much just being on a suicide mission to try to stop these creatures, which are, they were summoned by their predecessors, it seemed like, and then it kind of backfired on them. Yeah. And they ended up killing all of them. And it looks fantastic. Yeah. This is one of the best animated, and it has the most going on as far as action is concerned. It's like a full, it, like it says war of the title. It is a full scale war, and you get the whole, the whole extent of that. Oh, wow. One uh, of the ones I could have used more of, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This one needed another 30 minutes, probably. To set up your characters to give you a little bit more reason why you care about what's going on. And some way to get like an actual resolution when it's all said and done. And if I remember correctly, it ends essentially kind of in a stalemate, right? No, I don't think so. They the they come and they nuke them. So, I mean, I guess we don't know for sure, but we're led to believe that they destroyed them. Yeah, that they basically lure them out into the open and then they drop drop a bomb on them and it just destroys everything. You get some emotion because I think one of the characters, the kid that leaves, mm-hmm. is the son. Yeah. of one of the of like the main soldier. Yeah, they send him off to go to go tell them, hey, just we're gonna hold them back, drop the nukes. Um, so they send him out because he's the fastest rider. This one, I would definitely. Yeah, I'm definitely, definitely looking watch. forward to watching um, that last one. I, I, even when I was just reading through the descriptions, that sounded like one that, that I would find interesting. Overall, I mean, I think a really good first season, a weirder take on Black Mirror in a way, less serious at times. But, I mean, we don't get a lot of adult animation that isn't comedy or like geared. Yeah. Basically, you don't get a lot of things that aren't South Park, Family Guy, Simpsons. This whole thing made me think a lot of, I don't know if either of you ever saw it, but the Animatrix. Definitely was thinking about the Animatrix because that was something that I feel like maybe at the time was not something that people were entirely receptive of. But I remember as a young person thinking it was really cool as an experiment in having different animators try different things in the Matrix universe. Yeah, definitely. And that's what I really enjoyed about this show, I think, the most was them because you can say and these anthology shows come out seems like every few weeks now you get a new anthology show a lot of them are very dark you know or horror themed or sci-fi themed to have one where the real driving angle was having so many different creative hands in it different writers different animators who really bring a specific flavor to each episode. I, I'm just really excited to see who they try to bring back or if they bring uh, who, who the, the new animators that they bring in for another season, if it does get another season. Because like we were saying, there are definitely episodes in here where I would love to see more from those animators. I yeah. would love to see them come back and see what else they can do with, with another short story. Well, and some of them I feel like could come back and not necessarily even be a part of this exact series. Like the alternate histories one, if they just changed that to a web format and just did like a weekly release, I would watch the shit out of that. I would subscribe to that. This is a great platform for up and comers and for people who just kind of want to change up their style a little bit and do something that maybe wouldn't get greenlit for a big, you know, a big deal and show off some of the cool stories that they've been waiting to tell. I mean, if you're a listener to this podcast, it's probably going to be right up your alley. But yeah, so we will catch you all next week for the first uh for the phase one episode of our marvel <laughs> retrospective for um avengers april or april avengers whatever we're calling it 
as always, uh, go ahead and uh, rate, share, and subscribe the episode. We always like to hear from our listeners. Uh, we also uh, actually we have a shout out to give as well from Lumberschnaz on uh, Apple Podcasts. We got a five star review. Great to hear uh, the feedback. Sounds like everybody's really enjoying what we're putting out. If you do want to discuss things with us further, like this episode or any of our previous content or stuff that's coming out for Marvel, that sort of a thing, you can find us on our social medias everywhere at Porcelain Peak, um, or you can sh- uh, shoot us an email at uh, porcelainpeak at gmail.com. Uh, and then on top of that, on our website at um, porcelainpeak.com, that will redirect you to. Uh, the podcast section for the Words for Weirdos website, uh, where there's all kinds of stuff, podcast notes, interesting uh, things that we find surfing around on the internet. And we promise that we won't stick with the Marvel stuff for too long and we'll get back to some <laughs> some weird shit we find on the internet or whatever. And as always, Anthony, thank you for joining us. And everybody out there, thank you for listening. Keep it creepy. A Hyperforge Alpha Network production.